Well, tonight I'm going to begin a series uh, called So Great Salvation. And as Pastor John says, I'll be speaking tonight as well as the last two Wednesday nights. And I just believe that this gift salvation, I, let me just start by saying this. Several years ago, someone had approached me with the message of salvation. And needless to say, I didn't receive it, but rather I rejected it. But that wasn't the first time someone came to me and shared the gospel with me. You know, when God wants to get your attention, he knows how to do that. And he knows he sends certain people your way to speak into your life and drop a word here and a drop a word there. And I remember how many times I rejected this message of salvation. And it's not that I didn't believe in it. It's not that I didn't respect it. I just wasn't ready for it. At least in my mind, I thought I wasn't ready for it. You know, you, you're at a place where, you know, you're in control. You know, things are going right and, you know, everything's falling into place. And, you know, you just, you just you know, you have a life ahead of you. And I figured that's somewhere down the road when I get old and gray. But then there's one day when someone, when God sent someone my way and dropped the message of the gospel at a time when I really needed to hear it. And it's interesting because at the time I heard it, but I didn't receive it. But that day I heard it and I began to receive it. Now, I didn't receive it right away. As a matter of fact, I didn't accept the Lord right there. But something stirred up in my heart. And then God would send someone else to drop something in my heart about this message called the gospel or the gospel of salvation. And it stirred something even more. And understand that I was going through a, a time in my life where I was in turmoil and I was confused, I was, I was fading really fast, and, and I was in a very terrible place, and I needed some help. And I didn't need a physical help, I didn't need financial help, I didn't need material help. What I needed was spiritual help. And God knows exactly when the right time to send the right message at the right time when you need it. And from that moment on, when I finally received this gospel... It completely changed my life. And although I rejected it several times, but that one time, when I needed it most, that's when God really became real to me. That's when this message, this good news became alive and real. And I began to understand what it was that he had for me. All of a sudden, I found new hope. All of a sudden, I found a new future, new direction, new purpose in life. All because I received this wonderful, great salvation. And tonight we're going to look in the book of Hebrews chapter 2. And we're going to be studying verses 1 through 4. And we're going to be pretty much remain there. That's our key text. And, um, but it's all about what you hear. And tonight we're going to talk about the importance of hearing. Because even though I heard this message of the gospel several times... It didn't register until that one time when I really heard it, embraced it, treasured it, and then began to apply it in my life. Hebrews chapter 2, and beginning in verse 1. And please forgive me if some of these things that I'm about to share, share with you tonight is repetitive because Pastor John, when he first began to preach on his message on entering his rest, he touched on some things in, uh, in this particular passage of Scripture uh, that I'm about to share with you tonight. So you might hear it again, 
But that's okay because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we're not losing anything here. So in verse 1 it says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received the just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Say that with me. So great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. This letter was written to Jewish Christians at a time when they were experiencing tremendous persecution. They were also on the verge of losing their confidence in their faith. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verses 6 and 14, the writer challenges his readers to hold on, to hold fast their confidence firm to the end. Not only were they on the verge of losing their confidence, but they were also on, uh, in, in danger of reverting back to Judaism. And so they were in a very terrible place. And as we read in verse 1, we see the first of many warnings that are written in this book. And the warning is that we are to give the most earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we should let it slip. But before we get right into all that, let me just start with the word therefore. The word therefore also means because of this. It also means for this reason. Or on account of this. Which shows that the warning arose directly from the preceding chapter. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. And beginning in verse 1. Where it says. God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. And then the rest of the chapter, he begins to talk about the, the authority, the superiority, and the exaltation of his son. He said that God has spoken to us through his son in these last days or last dispensation. In other words, because of this, because of the fact that God has spoken to us in these last days, through his son, that son who became heir of all things, this son who by, by whom all things were made, this very son who was exalted above all things, this same son who upholds all things by the word of his power, this son who is the author of this new dispensation, this son who's not only given all authority, over all things, but absolutely nothing or nobody, neither apostles, neither prophets, neither the angels, have equal authority with the Son. It was because of this Son that we are to give heed to the things that we've heard. It says, that because of the Son speaking, or I should say God spoke to the Son to us in these last days. Since that is the case, and since He, meaning God, who spoke through His Son to us, 
And the words that he spoke is of great importance to us and of and great importance to our eternal welfare. Then this is the reason why or because of this we are to give the most earnest heed. Now the words give more earnest heed simply means super abundantly. Or it also means more exceedingly. It could also mean more frequently or more abundantly. So in other words, what the writer is saying is that we are to give more superabundant attention to the things that we've heard. Whatever, it is, whatever they did before, they are to do it even more now. In other words, we are to give the most utmost attention to the things that we've heard more than ever before. Now, this is important because these are strong warnings. And I want you to notice the language, the strong language that the writer uses. He says, you ought to give the most earnest heed. You must give more attention. It would behoove you to give the most earnest heed or attention to the things we've heard. So the question is, if we are to give more attention to the things we've heard because of the Son and by which God who spoke to us through Him in these last days, what exactly was it that they heard? I mean, what was so vital about what they heard that if they did not take heed to it, they would be in danger of slipping away? What could that possibly be? Well, let's look in Hebrews chapter 2, and let's look in verses 2 and 3, and we're going to find out exactly what it was they heard. Verse 2 says, For if the words spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression or violation and disobedience received a just penalty or punishment, how will we escape, escape what? A similar punishment, if... We neglect so great a salvation. After it was spoken first through the Lord. What was spoken first through the Lord? This great salvation. And it goes on to say, and it was confirmed to us. What was confirmed to us? This great salvation. By those who heard. And God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Now, let me read verse 3 in the Amplified Version so that you can get a clear understanding of what he's saying. The Amplified Version says in verse 3, How shall we escape appropriate retribution or punishment if we neglect and refuse to pay attention to such a great salvation? As is now offered to us, Letting it drift us past us forever. For it was declared at first by the Lord himself. And it was confirmed to us and proved to be real and genuine by those who personally heard him speak. Referring to the disciples. Now let me read that to you in one more version. In the NIV version. Verse 3. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. So it is very clear to us that the thing that they heard, the thing that they were to pay close attention to, the very thing that God spoke to his son, was this great salvation message. 
Hebrews 1 and 2 says that in the last days, God spoke to us through his son. And that's very important that I want you to very, pay, pay very close attention to. It was Christ who first spoke or announced this great message. Go to Luke chapter 19. We are to pay very close attention or more attention to the things that we've heard concerning this message of salvation. Which was first spoken by the Lord. Luke chapter 19, we see a story about Jesus who was about to enter into the city of Jericho. He was just passing through. And this man named Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector and a very wealthy man, heard that he was coming and he was curious and wanted to see Jesus. But because he was such a short man, he had to climb up the tree because there were so many other people who heard that Jesus was coming. And so they were all there as well. So here he goes climbing up the tree, waiting for Jesus to come because he knew that Jesus was going to pass right by that tree. Well, the story goes that Jesus was approaching, and as he got close, he saw Zacchaeus. And he called out his name, said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today you and I are going to hang out at your house. Zacchaeus ran down quickly, climbed down quickly from the tree, and he was overjoyed. Now, one can imagine how overjoyed he was because, after all, he was a tax collector. He was despised and considered a traitor among the Jewish community. Even though he was a fellow Jew, but he worked for the Roman government. And he was a crook. That's how he got to be rich. But he was so overjoyed that Jesus would want to come to his house and fellowship with him. And the Bible says that the people that heard this grumbled. Because they began to criticize Jesus because he was going to someone's house who was a sinner. He was going to be a guest of a sinner's house. But you know what? That didn't matter to Jesus. He wanted to hang out with Zacchaeus that night. And Zacchaeus, because he was so moved, told the Lord, Lord, half my wealth I will give to the poor. And if I defrauded anybody, now that's funny. Of course he defrauded everybody. But he said, if I defrauded someone, I'm going to return to them fourfold. That's called repentance. And Jesus said these words in verse 9. Today, salvation has come to this house. Look what he says in verse 10. For the Son of Man, now this is Jesus speaking about himself. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Go to Luke chapter 15. It's interesting when Jesus began to minister to Zacchaeus, it was a few days before he was about to be crucified. Now, you know, if you know you're about to be crucified, there will be a lot of things on your mind. But with Jesus, he was focused because he had a message. That message is salvation. And he knew that Zacchaeus needed to hear this. Luke chapter 15, we don't have time to cover it, but there are three parables that Jesus teaches here. He talks about the lost sheep. He talks about the lost silver piece of coin. And he talks about the lost son. But these three parables illustrates one thing. And that is the purpose of Jesus' earthly ministry and God's desire to save the lost. 
In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, it says that God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. In Mark 16 and 16, Jesus preaches and says, those who believe and is baptized will be saved. And he also says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But it's verse 17 that I want you to listen to. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, which he could have done with Zacchaeus. But that the world through him may be saved. Jesus was the one who first announced this message of salvation. Then the Bible goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1 that it was confirmed by, to us by those who heard, referring to the disciples. Go to 1 John chapter 1. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 1, which was written by John, who was one of Jesus' disciples. And in verse 1, it says this. What was from the beginning, listen to this, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, referring to Jesus. Verse 2 says, and the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. And verse 3 says, and what we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you may, so you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now go to Romans chapter 10. We're going to do some Bible hopping today. While you're turning there, Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, I didn't say church hopping, I said Bible hopping. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John was preaching this gospel. They had just finished healing the lame man that was at the gate beautiful. And, it's, and it caused us great commotion because people were amazed about what happened. Because they knew this lame man. Because every day he'd be placed in front of that gate begging for alms. And then one day they saw him jumping and running, which is something he couldn't do. And so Peter and John began to preach the gospel until they were apprehended by the Sadducees. And they were brought before the council... And uh, they were told not to preach in this name. And so Peter spoke to them and said these words in Acts chapter 4 verse 19. You don't need to turn there. But he says, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you or more than to God, you judge. Verse 20 says, for we cannot speak but the things which we have seen and heard. What I want you to notice here is the emphasis on the word heard. So, in Romans chapter 10, you see, without, if I did not know anything about the message of salvation, then I wouldn't be able to hear anything. And if I'm not able to hear the message, then I wouldn't be able to have faith to receive it. Right? But I had the opportunity to hear the message of salvation several times until I finally got it right. In Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 13, it says this. For whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And verse 14 says, how then will they call him 
in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. And the verse 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This beautiful message of salvation was spread throughout the ancient world, turning that world upside down. Because in the last part of verse 18 of Romans 10, it says, their voice has gone out into all the world and all to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. So this great salvation has now been offered to man. This salvation has provided man forgiveness of sin. It's provided man an opportunity to be accepted by God. He now has access into the presence of God without feeling guilt or condemnation. This man now can conquer and have victory in his life. He can have victory over sin. He can have victory over temptations. He can now have victory over trials. This man now has a personal relationship with God. Hallelujah. But, as Hebrews 2.1 says, you must give more heed to the things we've heard. Go to Colossians chapter 1. You see, this message that the Jewish Christian heard, which was the message of salvation which is this great salvation, is far too important to ignore. It's far too important to, to, uh, to be careless with. It's far too important to take lightly. It's far too important to neglect. Paul here in Colossians chapter 1 charges his, the church to be steadfast in their faith of this wonderful news. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 21 says this, Once you were alienated from God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. To present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation or condemnation. Verse 23. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. James 1.21 says that we are to receive the engrafted word in all meekness which is able to save your soul. Go to Hebrews chapter 5. Now we're going to have some fun. So all these verses that I've shared with you tonight all have something in common. And that is the importance of hearing. Hebrews chapter 5. Throughout the Bible, you'll notice that there is a great emphasis on how important it is to hear. And when I say hear, I'm not talking about just listening with the ear. I'm talking about hearing with the intent on accepting, receiving, embracing, and applying what you hear. In Hebrews chapter 5, the writer begins to talk to his readers about the priestly ministry of Jesus. 
and how God called Christ Jesus to be a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. But that was too deep for them. So we have to stop short. And we're going to pick up in verse 11. And it says this. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Let me start in verse 11 again. I missed that one. (laughs) Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So for this reason, these Jewish Christians needed to pay much more attention to what they heard because they become dull of hearing. Now the word dull in the Greek simply means to be sluggish or to be lazy. It also means to be lethargic or forgetful. And, um, and this was pretty evident because they were spiritually immature. There was something, as Pastor Ray mentioned this morning in our staff devotional, he says there was something clogging the pipes, so to speak, causing a delay in their growth and development. So these believers had been saved. And keep in mind, they're not new converts. They've been saved quite a long time. And they should have been in a place where they should have been spiritually mature. But the key word here is in verse 12, by this time. Now, let me use this analogy. If you saw a one-year-old child playing in the dirt and getting dirty, well, you wouldn't think too much of it because, I mean, why make a big deal? Because it's understood that one-year-old children, you know, children love to play in dirt because to them, dirt is a toy. You know, they... They'll try to eat the dirt. They'll scrub the dirt in their, in their, on their clothes, on their hair. They'll roll on the dirt because to them it's a toy. But if you saw a 21-year-old man <laughs> playing in the dirt, rolling in the dirt, even trying to eat the dirt, if you look at that, you would know that something is definitely not right. And this man has to be crazy. But there are two things here that I want to point out to you. The only difference between the baby and the man is time. Because by 21, you ought to know that dirt is not a toy. And you can't come to church and listen to the word of God every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night and not know that you're not supposed to be in the dirt. If you've been saved for so many years, by this time, you ought to be able to know how to lead someone to Christ. But because there are so many Christians that have become dull of hearing and not paying close attention to the things that they heard, they become babes. And unskilled in the word of righteousness. Now there are. Let me use another analogy. How many have ever used a treadmill? 
in the gym or at home, you know, and I can tell you, you look pretty good. <laughs> Most people have used the treadmill. And one of the things about a treadmill, I mean, it's very good because it's good for the cardio and it has the ability to make you walk faster and faster at a faster pace. And, you know, the faster you go, the more you sweat, the more you sweat, the more calories you burn. Right? It's, it's a good thing. But one thing is certain about a treadmill is that it has the ability to take a person moving fast, to get a person to move fast and not take them anywhere. Okay, you need to hold on to your seat now. That's where so many Christians are today. They're on their spiritual treadmill. You get men and women running to and from church. You got men and women running to and from seminars. You got men and women running to and from worship, to and from classes, to and from concerts, to and from Christian events. Only to discover when it's all said and done, they are still stuck where they started. There are many Christians today that are still stuck in the elementary stages of their spiritual lives. And that's because they are not exercising their faith in what they've heard. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. In the case of these Jewish Christians, they become dull of hearing. And because of the dullness of hearing, they struggle to maintain their confidence in their faith. And, you know, we all know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if you and I are dull of hearing, then faith becomes almost non-existent in our lives. And we need faith to live. Right? Second Corinthians two, uh, 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. It also says in Hebrews eleven six that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 that we are saved by grace through faith. So faith is essential to, to the Christian. In Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And keep in mind that these Jewish Christians were on the verge of losing their confidence in their faith. They were just getting ready to abandon their faith and revert back to Judaism. Hebrews 4 and 1 says, Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear. Lest any man, or lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Verse 2, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, them meaning the children of Israel who wandered in the wilderness. But the word which they heard did not profit them or benefit them. Why? Because it wasn't mixed with faith in those who heard it. In other words, they did not combine their faith with what they heard. How many of us come to church every Sunday and every Wednesday night and we hear a word from God? You know, it's interesting how so many of us come to church wanting to hear from God. When they have not yet done the things that they've already heard from God. Isn't that something? 
how you're ready to hear from God when God has already spoken to you. You've already heard from God, but you're not doing anything with what you've heard. But yet you're still looking to hear from God. So hearing is very important. Go with me to Luke chapter 9. Just to give you a few references about how important it is to hear. James chapter 1 and verse 19 says that let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. In Matthew eleven fifteen, Jesus, and he would often do this before he would teach. He would always say these words. He would begin with these words. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 44, these are the words of Jesus. He says, let these words sink into where? Into your ears. In some place says heart. But you know what? When you get it in your ear and it deposits in your heart, then you know you've, you've got something. In other words, what Jesus was saying was this, to listen very carefully and to give serious thought to everything that he says. Go to Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13. And verse 16 says this. But blessed are your eyes, for they see. And blessed are your ears, for they hear. Listen to what verse 17 says. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men, and some another verse of scripture says in Kings, have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them. And to hear those things which you hear but have not heard them. But the Bible says in Hebrew 1, 2, that God in these last days spoke to us through his son and the things that the prophets of old and the kings of old did not hear, we are hearing today. We have the privilege of receiving and understanding the mysteries that have been revealed to us through his son. And yet, there's always this danger of neglecting those things that we hear. Now, go back to Hebrews chapter 2. Proverbs 4 and 20, Solomon says, My son, attend to my words and incline your ears unto my sayings. We're going to look at the danger of not hearing. We looked at how important it is to hear. Now let's talk about the danger of not hearing. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, the writer says, Therefore we are to give more earnest heed or pay closer attention to or to pay super abundant attention to the things we've heard, lest we should let it slip. No, we live in a dangerous world. And when we turn on the TV and open up the newspaper, we hear news such as incurable diseases, like the Ebola virus that, uh, that broke out. Uh, we, we hear about nuclear accidents. 
raging storms, terrorism, and all kinds of lawlessness. You know, and, and, and these are dangers that surround us. And, and there are many dangers and different types of dangers and in different types of degrees of dangers. But just because we're Christians doesn't mean that the danger that surrounds us is not going to affect us. Jesus says in John 16, that in this world we will have tribulation. But the danger that surrounds a Christian is not all physical. Listen very carefully what I'm about to say here. The greatest danger to Christians is those things that threaten the spirit man. Think about this. Because there's always a danger of renouncing God. There's always this danger of embracing false doctrine. There's always this danger of backsliding. There's always this danger of Christians just simply jumping into sin and morality and immorality. There's always this danger or this threat to our spirit man. But I don't believe that these things pose the most threat to a Christian. The greatest danger facing the church today is that of drifting slowly away from the things of God. Drifting away slowly from the moral and principles of God's word. If we don't give more attention to the things that we've heard, the Bible says we will slip away. The word slip in the Greek has a, a nautical overtone, a seaman's overtone. It paints a picture of a ship drifting by the safety of a harbor aimlessly and without direction until it runs aground and eventually and ultimately becomes shipwrecked. Paul talks about becoming spiritually shipwrecked. Go with me to 1 Timothy real quick in chapter 1. First Timothy chapter one. And in verse 19, he says this, keeping faith and a good conscience. This is a letter to Timothy now. Which some which some have rejected or put away or cast away and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Let me read that to you from the New Living Translation. It says, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their conscience. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Then in verse 20, he names two individuals whose faith became shipwrecked. And that's Hymenaeus and Alexander. The word slip means to drift away or to slip by. Another descriptive picture that describes this word slip is if you're on a boat and your boat begins to drift ashore or drift away from shore 
And all of a sudden, one day you decide to look up and realize how far away you've drifted to the point where you can't even see land. And the, here's, here's the dangerous part here, is that it's hardly noticeable. And you're drifting away and you're drifting away, not paying attention. And all of a sudden you look up and realize, where's land? Some Christians look up and say, where's God? It's a very threatening thing to know that we can easily drift away without even noticing. You know, it's like I heard a a preacher. Well, I think I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But I heard a preacher once say this. Christians never experience blowouts. But they do experience slow leaks. How many of you have a slow leak in your tire? Sometimes hardly noticeable. And if you're not constantly checking it, if uh, you don't have one of those indicators that tell you that your tire is low, one day, if you don't pay attention to it, check it or kick it every once in a while, you're going to come out and realize that you got a flat tire. Now, a flat tire means that all the air that was inside the tire has gone out. So all you have is an empty, flat tire. That's what happened to Christians. When all that they received inside begins to leak out, and the only thing that's left is nothing, and you're flat. When you think about being on a boat and the boat is drifting away slowly, away from shore, not realizing it, not noticing, until one day you realize that you're so far away from God that you can't find your way back. Somewhere along the line, you've gone beyond the will of God. How can this happen? Well, there could be a number of things. Spiritual laziness, complacency, carelessness, a lack of attentiveness, apathy, indifference. All of these things, I mean, I can probably say a hundred other things. But there are a few people who deliberately and in a moment turn their backs to God. But there are some who day by day drift farther and farther away from God. So we need to understand how important it is to heed what, what's being heard. Pay close attention to what, what you've been taught. Take the word of God. The Bible says that we are to receive the engrafted word with meekness, which is able to save your souls. Something about hearing what is being taught and then taking and receiving those things so that you can apply it in your life. Listen, we're all believers here. I would assume all of us are believers here. And we've all had the experience of receiving this gift of salvation. I don't know how many times you rejected it before you received it. But now that you've received it, you come to a place now where now your life is, is lived unto God. But let's be real. As believers, we go through stuff. You know, we, we, we receive trials and we, we, we face temptations. 
And sometimes it can be real weary. Sometimes it can be tiresome. You know, we go through stuff. And it sometimes can cause us to become, well, it causes us to leak out what was in us. And if we're not careful, and here's what I want, here's what I want to say. When, when we become dull of hearing, when we're lazy in our hearing, and we don't put to practice what we've heard, what happens is faith cannot come. And so our faith level becomes low. And whenever your faith level is low, your spiritual immune system is low. And if your spiritual immune system is low, then you're not going to have any faith to resist temptation. You're not going to have any strength to overcome uh, trials. You're going to be unstable in all your ways. It's going to be very easy for you to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You know, when your physical immune system is low, you know, you're able to catch just about anything. It's the same thing when we're spiritually, you know, when our immune system, spiritual immune system is low. And here's the thing. We cannot grow and stay as babies. We got to grow. We got to go forward. We got to move on and not stay stuck. How many of you have ever been stranded on the side of the road? Not a pleasant experience. Because when you're stuck on the side of the road, you're, you're stranded and you can't go anywhere. You're stuck. You can't go forward. You can't go backwards. You can't reach your destination. Why? Because you're stuck. But you don't have to be stuck. You don't have to be stuck. God provides so much for us. And if we learn to just get, do the things that we know to do. Appreciate this wonderful gift. And we're going to talk about this gift of salvation and what makes this gift so good and so great. Because God is, it's like a package deal. And if we learn to appreciate what we have and to embrace what we have and say focus on what we've heard so that we can grow, we can develop and overcome the things that come our way. Because listen, stuff is going to happen. Temptations are going to come. Trials are going to come. You can't stop that. But you can prevent it. You know, Pastor John talked about warnings and how we need not to be afraid of warnings. You know, warning is not something you should neglect. Warning is not something that you should ignore. But warning is simply an advance notice. That's basically what it is. You know, we hear warnings all the time. You know, we hear hurricane warnings, flash flood warnings, storm warnings. What do you do when you hear a hurricane warning? What do most people do? They run to the store, they stock up on batteries, they make sure they get flashlights, they buy generators, they stock up on water, they stock up on non-perishable foods. Why? In preparation of what's about to come. And that's all that warning is. Warning is a good thing. Some would call it a cautionary advice. You know, or or, a word of wisdom. Or a word of advice. You know, it's like when when you have a friend who is going to date somebody that you know is not a good person. And so you tell your friend, I wouldn't date that person if I were you. That's called cautionary advice. You're letting that person make an adjustment before they make a decision. And so that's what warning is. And so when we look in Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 1, it's a warning. It's a warning to the believers 
to make the necessary adjustments in our lives. If we find ourselves drifting away, we can always come back. Okay. And so when you're warned, then it's for you to become alert and make the necessary adjustments or, or, or make the necessary decisions that you need to make in order to change and to prepare for what's coming. Now, let me just give you a few verses of scripture before we close. Oh, you know what? Let me just stop here and we'll pick up next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for, for life. We thank you, Father God, for, for, uh, for ministering to us tonight. We thank you for speaking to us tonight. We thank you for bringing clarity, Father God, of your perfect will for our lives. We thank you, Father God, that tonight you've spoken to your people. We thank you, Father, you deposited words of life and wisdom into their hearts tonight, Father. And, and Father, we just thank you, Father, for, for being in our presence. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for your glory. And Father, we thank you, Father God, as we <coughs> heed the things that we've heard. Father God, that the words will grow and develop in our hearts, making us to be strong. And Father, and ready to to overcome whatever comes our way. Father, we thank you for this wonderful gift of salvation, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the mercy and the grace that you bestowed upon us. And Lord, we thank you tonight just for this opportunity, Father, to speak your words. And Lord, for speaking through me to your people. And Father, we pray, Father, that the word will come alive in them and that the word, Father God, will strengthen them and that the word, Father God, will develop faith and courage and wisdom and meet whatever need that there is out there. Father, we thank you that your word will strengthen us, Father, and strengthen our spirit, man. And Lord, we thank you for this. And we give you all glory and all praise in Jesus' name.